The second reading is from Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Thanks, Ian. Morning, folks. It's grim out there, isn't it? But hey, we've got Christmas to look forward to. Maybe. Uh, okay, I'm not really helping, am I? Um, listen, <laughs> hope you've got um, Luke 1 still uh, open in front of you. Uh, that'll be really helpful uh, for uh, what we're going to do next. And I don't know what you make of this song. Uh, I don't know how it grabs you. I mean, I suspect it's not really most of us. It's, it's not really our Christmas number one, is it? It's hardly Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You which incidentally, as I think many of us know, is uh, Dave Dowling's favorite song of all time, actually, not just Christmas. But Mary's song, we might look at it and go, what's so special about this? Why are we even looking at this? Can't we just crack on and get on with, you know, the angels and uh, the shepherds and the birth of Jesus? Well, I want to suggest to you that, actually, no, we've got to stop because Mary's song is absolutely crucial to us because it helps us get the telescope the right way around. So just imagine Christmas morning, you get handed a present and you excitedly unwrap it and it's a telescope. Wow, great. And uh, the thing is though, with a telescope, you've got to make sure it's the right way around, haven't you? Because what happens if you look through it at the wrong end? Everything gets smaller, doesn't it? And you go, oh, this is rubbish. I thought this was supposed to make everything bigger. But it's not. What a terrible Christmas present. But then somebody helpfully whispers in your ear, turn it around. And you turn it around, and boom! Suddenly everything is huge. It's up close. It's, it's magnified. And folks, I want to suggest that this morning we often live our lives with the telescope pointing the wrong way around. In other words, we live our lives with a telescope pointing towards us, thinking we are big and that God is small, if even he's there at all. But Mary's song here in the first chapter of Luke's gospel is that voice, that little voice in our our ear telling us to turn the telescope round so that we get the right perspective about our place in the universe. As God is magnified and we are brought down to the right size. Now, Mary has just been told by an angel that she is going to have a baby. And um, she's really quite young, probably only about 14 and still a virgin, so that's quite a shock. But she's also been told that this baby is going to be God himself and going to be the king that rules on David's throne forever and ever. So that's also quite a shock. And so I think it would be really easy 
for Mary to get the telescope pointing on herself, get completely wrapped up on herself, and therefore either say, he has chosen me? Aren't I the special one? Aren't I the most important person in the world that he would send an angel and give me a job like this? Or she could become a gibbering wreck and go, oh no, my life is ruined. Nobody's going to understand. I'm going to be a social outcast. <laughs> Teenage girl, pregnant, unmarried. Ah, I can't handle this. And I've got my GCSEs coming up. Either way, it's all about her. And that is what we human beings do when the telescope is the wrong way around. Either we become proud, and life becomes all about my happiness, my pleasure, my success, my career. And dare I say it, my Christmas plans at a time like this. Or we become a gibbering wreck and we freak out as it's, oh, I'm such a failure. I'm a useless father, mother, husband, wife, son, daughter, uncle, Godfather, Christian, whatever. I'm such a loser. I can't do this. But folks, that's not what Mary does, is it? She gets the telescope pointing straight at God and she says, God is amazing. Or to put it more accurately in her words in Luke 1 verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, it's not that, God is, uh, that, that Mary is making God bigger here, as if he, he really were as small and as puny as our culture uh, would make him out to be. And Mary is just exaggerating for biblical effect. No, God is bigger. God is greater than we think. It's not him that is puny. It's us in our thinking and our acting and our being. So God doesn't need us to make him big. It's us who need to give ourselves over to enlarging our vision of him. That's what Mary's doing here. She's not absent-mindedly singing in church. I wonder if you've ever done this, where she's just going through the motions, going, yeah, God is bigger, God is greater, yeah, you can find joy in him, la di da di da no, this is coming from deep within Mary. You see, she talks about her soul and her spirit. In the Greek, if you're interested, those two words are psyche and pneuma, the inner person. It's basically the core. It's who you really are deep down inside. You do realize you've got a soul, don't you? You do realize that, that your identity goes real deep. There's a part of you that goes so deep that it has a capacity for for wonder and it cannot merely be satisfied with material, physical things. This is why we're different to dogs. Dogs get excited by going on walks, don't they? Woof! There you go, that's an excited dog for you. (laughs) But dogs and animals, while they can enjoy things, get excited about things. God hasn't made them with the capacity for something so deep within that bursts out from a soul and goes, wow. No, only human beings are deeply soulful spiritual beings. And Mary's whole soul has been awoken by the visit of the angel and the favor that God has bestowed upon her. 
And so she magnifies the Lord. She turns the telescope on him and lets his greatness fill the horizon of her vision. And if she does that, what happens next? What follows? Do you see? She finds a deep internal joy welling up inside of her. Her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. And so what we see here is the mysterious secret reality of the Christian believer. The fuller our focus on the greatness of God, the bigger our joy. So please follow Mary's example and turn the telescope around, I beg you. And tune your soul, your spirit this Christmas to see what she sees. As in verse 47, she calls God my saviour. That's what gets her going. She doesn't just call him a saviour. No, he's my saviour. In her deepest, inmost being, she finds joy in the God who saves her. Why? Why does she find joy in that? Well, have a look at verse 48. For he has looked on, or as the NIV translation says, for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. Here she is. She's a teenage girl engaged to be married to a simple village carpenter. <laughs> she lives in, of all places, the relatively God-forsaken town of Nazareth, which even her fellow Jews demeaned and despised. And yet, God has seen her. The great creator God has been mindful of her. That means that the God who made the heavens and the earth, earth who flung stars into space and breathed an expanding universe into being, had Mary on his mind. He was thinking about her. That is so, so precious, isn't it? And Mary is amazed. She has a place in God's great and eternal plan. People will talk about Mary. Even she knows it. She goes on in verse 48 to say, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And here we are, generations later. What are we doing? Talking about Mary. But we shouldn't talk about Mary because it's her that's great. This is where we can easily make a misstep. If we make it all about Mary... If we think Mary is the significant one here, then we've got it so, so wrong. Mary's own words. I'm just a humble servant. God, on the other hand, he who is mighty has done great things for me. So she's got it the right way around. She sums it up. Holy is his name, not mine. That's Mary's story. I wonder what your story is. What's your story this Christmas? Perhaps you know all about God. Maybe from being a child, a young teenager like Mary, you've known all about him. You've come to church week after week. You've sang the songs. You've read the Bible readings. You've heard the prayers. But your heart is cold to the things of God. Maybe you've bought the lie of the culture, hook, line, and sinker, that if you magnify God then it will actually minimize your joy. And so that, to, minimize, to, to maximize your joy, what you've actually got to do in life is you've got to minimize God. And so that's exactly what you've done. You've pushed him to the margins. 
You've made him small in your life and tried to find delight elsewhere in all kinds of other things. Well, marginalizing God will always shrink our souls. They will shrivel up and die. And making much of him will never fail to satisfy. So why not this Christmas? Why not even now ask God, please help me to turn the telescope around? You could be doing that right now. Even as I'm talking, you could be asking him to do that. He is mindful of you. And if you're a parent, can I say to you that he's also mindful of your children too? Even more so than you are, you might think you think about your children a lot, but I guarantee you God thinks about them even more. So be careful this Christmas that you don't make so much of them that they might get the impression that they're the important ones, they're the special ones, they're the one who it all revolves around. So that they learn to, or they get the impression that they're big. And they're tempted to make Jesus small. That's such a temptation, is it not? For those of us who love our children. It's all around us in the culture when everyone's just going large on their kids. But it's not our love that they most need to know. It is God's, their Savior. So pray for them and do all that you can this Christmas to help them to magnify the Lord. And there may be some of us who, as we've come to church this morning, we feel really weak and insignificant and small, like the circumstances in our lives have just made us shrivel up. We may even this week have had tears falling on our pillows because we don't know if there's anyone who sees, anyone who knows, anyone who cares. Well, listen to the words of Mary. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And he who is mighty has great, done great things for me. For me, even little old me. God says, I'm mindful of you. So I sent my son to save you. Now come and magnify my name and find true joy. But then the second half of this song, the, the theme, it switches slightly. As Mary says, that God is amazing, yes, but he's not surprising. As what Mary says next is that Christmas is just God doing what God does. It's not like Christmas is something unexpected that comes to us out of the blue. This is just what God does. Folks, God is not unpredictable. He is consistent. He's not like um, a teacher, maybe, who you had at, had at school, who um, you, you just never quite knew what mood they'd be in. I had one of those teachers at school, a guy called Mr. McGregor. Mr. McGregor had the most amazing sideburns. He had these, he's had these sideburns that would come all the way down to about, to about here on his chin, but no further. They would never meet. It's like he said to himself, that's enough sideburn, but we won't have a beard. And... Despite his incredible and intriguing facial hair, he was a ter terrifying teacher. 
As there were times we'd have such a laugh with Mr. McGregor. We'd have such fun with him. But there were, were other times <laughs> when he really wasn't any fun at all. You would walk into class, you'd go, morning, Mr. McGregor, or nice sideburns. And he'd fly off the handle at you. Okay, probably because you'd said nice sideburns. That was really cheeky. But whatever you did, it didn't matter. He would just boom. He would be in the most awful foul mood. And so day to day, you never knew which Mr. McGregor it was going to be. Would it be fun Mr. McGregor or angry Mr. McGregor? And folks, I think sometimes we have that, this opinion that God is like that, that he's capricious and unpredictable, all smiles one day, liable to lose his rag the next. But no, God isn't like that. God doesn't change, as Mary tells us in verse 50. His mercy to us is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. If you fall for the fallacy that in the Old Testament it's angry God, and in the New Testament it's loving God, please go back, read it again. Read it properly. Down through the ages, God is completely consistent in his character. He always has been, and he always will be, the God who shows mercy to those who fear him. And to fear God means to have a big view of him. To fear God means to say, you are big and I am small. To fear God means to have the telescope the right way around, doesn't it? And so when I see that God is big, and I see that I am small, when I understand how great he is, that will always result in him having mercy to me. Always. There's never been a day when Someone's had a right view of God and have worshipped him in spirit and truth, have humbled themselves, confessed their sin, and God's gone, nah, not today, I'm fed up with you, punishment. He always extends mercy to those who fear him. He is completely faithful. But the opposite is also true. Do you see that here in Mary's song? If we live with the telescope the other way around, if we say, I'm big and God's small, if we're proud and we puff out our chest and we make life all about ourselves and our own sense of importance, well, look at what we're told in verse 51. He has shown, shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. When God sees people who are proud, he does this over and over and over again in the Bible. So there was a time when human beings were so proud that they built this tower. They <laughs> had this big view of themselves and a really small view of God. And so they, they said, hey, let's build this tower and make a name for ourselves to show how great and important we are. And they built it in this place called Babel. <laughs> it's really funny in Genesis 11 which tells us of this incident. As they built it higher and higher, and they got prouder and prouder, it says that God had to come down to have a look at it. He went, oh, hold on. There is something down there. Oh, let me, let me, put, my, let me put my glasses on. Oh, yes, he seemed to have built a very small, tiny tower. Genuinely, it's got that kind of comical effect in Genesis 11. And I know that God doesn't wear glasses. He's got perfect 2020 vision. But beyond the comical effect, what does God do next? It says he scattered them in judgment. Folks, it seems to us that the rich and the powerful, 
are super gifted and influential are always winning, while the humble and the lowly are always getting trampled all over. But in God's economy, those who humble themselves will always experience mercy, while those who are proud will always experience God's punishment. Mary says God scatters the proud in their self-confidence. And he brings down the powerful, the gifted, the influencers, the mighty in our world. He brings them down from their lofty perch. We see that every day in the news headlines, don't we? Tall poppies being cut down. They thought they were untouchable. But be sure, your sins will find you out. So humble yourselves before God does. Humble yourselves before you become a newspaper headline. Humble yourselves before you come face to face with the God who justifiably sends those who are full of themselves away empty. I wonder, folks, where do you see pride lurking in your heart this morning? Maybe in your attitude to your spouse, your work colleagues, your fellow Christians even. It's so easy to think less of someone than God does, isn't it? Maybe it's in your prayer life. Proud people rarely pray because they think they've got it all covered through their own abilities and gifts. And the way you fight sin, thinking you can handle it all by yourself, thinking that you don't need to talk to anybody else. Open up, be honest. Take heed. The proud he always brings down, but the humble are lifted up. Or as verse 52 says, he has exalted those of humble estates. That's beautiful language, isn't it? Just think about it. It's so easy to look at that phrase and go, oh, that's nice. But think about it. It's like a little sheep stuck in a bog and it can't get out. It's just bleating away. Meh, meh. We've had an excited dog. There you go. There's, there's a helpless sheep for you. But the shepherd comes. And he doesn't stand over it on the sidelines and berate it. Going, oh, you stupid sheep. Come on. Make an effort. Climb. Use your hoofs. Oh, that's pathetic. No, the shepherd, he goes right down. Down into the bog, right down into the mud and the filth. It's all over him. He takes hold of the sheep. And he lifts it up. Folks, that's the message of Christmas, isn't it? That God has sent his son Jesus, the good shepherd, down into the filth and the mess of our world and our lives to die on the cross to lift us up. And when Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, that was when it's those arms that bear our burden and embrace us in his loving care and lift us up and carry us to God. So this Christmas, we need the telescope the right way around, don't we? Hope you've seen that. We, our families, our children, our friends, we need the telescope pointing straight at Jesus so we realize how small we are and how much we need him. And so that we make much of him as our souls magnify him and our spirits rejoice in God, our Savior. Let's take a moment to think on our own to pray in response to what God has been saying to us this morning.
just a moment of silence to give us a chance to do that on our own. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who does great things. Even for very small people like Mary, like us. So seal your word in our hearts, we pray this morning, and enable us to respond in practical and prayerful ways to live it out. And grant that by your grace, this Christmas, our souls may magnify you and our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.